Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen uh, here on this 18th day of May, and I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to um, announce that a Miss Universe was crowned last night, and to figure out how, in the midst of everything else that's going on in the world, um, anybody would care. Yeah, like right. So it's this is an, an interesting and strange reality that we're in. Um, you know, an event is held. People from literally all over the world have invested a lot of money, certainly time and energy, um, in an event that took place uh, in which a woman named Andrea Mesa from Mexico was crowned Miss Universe. Um, Obviously, we could have lots of questions or lots of conversations, worldview conversations about pageantry, our desire to see people crowned our desire to um, lift up a certain uh, image of femininity. And and it just, I think, um, it then becomes a complex conversation to have in a world where we know that people are dying by the thousands every day, millions over the course of 14 months from a pandemic, and um, and people um, dying even like in in the moments that we've been speaking this morning um, because of ongoing warfare um, in parts of the world and people really struggling here in the United States of America. Um, it, it's not as if we don't live in a time of great upheaval and tension and stress and um, difficulty. And yet there are these things happening. You know, graduations are happening. People are getting married. Babies are being born. Great stuff is happening. We're building houses um, in war zones. Like, it's just a very interesting uh, conversational time to be engaged as a Christian. And does anybody care that a new Miss Universe was crowned last night? Like, it's an interesting conversation to get into um, today when people lift up headlines that may seem curious but obviously for this woman and her family and the nation of Mexico, like, right, this is um, this is actually fairly big news today. Um, a couple of uh, headlines that you you are likely going to miss. One of them is about a young man named Damon Weaver. Now, Damon Weaver was a kid reporter um, when he interviewed. I mean, he was a kid uh, and he was a reporter when he interviewed then President Barack Obama. Um, and Damon Damon Weaver was like instantly famous overnight, really like adorable kid who looked right into the camera and didn't seem at all, uh, uh, at all put off or, um, or intimidated by the fact that he was interviewing the then president. He went on to interview Oprah and, uh, and other uh, very prominent um, figures. Damon Weaver um, died a couple of days ago. He's 23 years old. 
young African-American man. And I'm, I'll be curious to see um, how the story unfolds and how much attention it gets. Um, it is juxtaposed in, in the news source that I read this morning with a story about a man in Australia who is 111. And it led me to reconsider Psalm 90, which is the psalm that encourages us or reminds us to number our days and the substance of them. So where in the word are you today? I'm in Psalm 90. O Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to the dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought uh, to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by some reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, How long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Oh, yes, establish the work of our hands. It's not just about the number of our days, my friends. It's about the substance of them. Up next, our friend Justin Gibney from the Ann Campaign will be back. Justin Gibney, uh, you can find him at And Campaign. Justin, welcome back. Hey, Carmen, how's it going? Oh, I'm great. So, um, your co-host on um, on your podcast is running for Congress. That is correct. Chris Butler, uh, Pastor Chris Butler, is running for Congress in the first district of Illinois, and we're we're excited about it. Okay, so um, let's talk about that. He's a pastor. Um, and he's running for Congress. Okay, is that even allowed? Like, you know, the separation of church and state people are not going to like that. Yeah, it's absolutely allowed. And, and he's the type of uh, person that uh, we should want uh, running for for those positions. I mean, he's he, he is a Democrat. He's pro-life. He's pro-family. He's pro-religious liberty and really pro-people. And he's one of those folks that has worked in the community for so long. This isn't an introduction to the community. His his um, his race is is is. Uh, he's already known to the community, but his race is an opportunity for him to serve them uh, better. And we're just really excited about what he stands for and just coming as a different type of uh, of politicians that I think Christians on both sides of the aisle can support. OK, so I want to pause there because you have said some things that um, I guarantee you have raised the eyebrows and then will raise the ire of some of our listeners. 
Um, Chris lives in a district where a Republican is not going to be elected. This is a contest among Democrats. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Okay. So, see, this is where we need a little bit of a reminder, Justin, that there are pro-life, pro-family, pro-religious liberty, Christian brothers and sisters who are Democrats and who we need to have running, particularly in in districts where a Democrat is going to be elected. It's just a question of which Democrat. So can you, you just, you know, I, and the reason that I say that is there are people listening who still do not believe. I mean, I guess they don't believe that you exist because they still do not believe mm-hmm. that a person can be a, a, a honest to God Christian and a Democrat. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And and we have to understand, we, you know, we put our identities too closely and too atta- we attach them too closely to our political party. Um, mm-hmm. We have to understand that if you, you know, politics is chess. And so if you just automatically don't want to talk about anything that deals with Democrats or Republicans because you just can't handle it, then you're, you're playing tic-tac-toe. If you're somebody that would rather have a Democrat in office who uh, holds some of those values truly, especially when it comes to the poor, civil rights and all that, but at the same time, uh, supports the whole life perspective. Uh, someone who who is going to fight for for re- religious liberty for everybody and not just Christians. The smart thing to do is actually support people in the, in those positions and not just be mad at them because they don't uh, fit into your uh, little box. If we're smart and we start thinking differently about um, each other and about politics, we actually can we can change this landscape and have people who may not agree with us totally but are willing to fight with us on some of the issues we hold dear. Okay, let's talk. Um, let's talk about Christendom and the politics of self-interest. This was actually a topic that you took up um, on a recent episode uh, of your podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, David French wrote a really good um, piece about how Christendom, the the institutions of the church, how Christendom is really hurting the Christian faith. How, in many instances, Christendom is there to make uh, Christianity and coming to Christianity easy, when in fact it's it's supposed to be hard. And so, just how sometimes we how we go about things institutionally actually takes away from the faith, and we lose credibility for the faith and what uh, Jesus is really about because we we you know because of the way ways that we engage institutionally. And I thought it was just a really good uh, conversation for Christians to be having to have an honest conversation about how our, our institutions and their fight for power and their fight to give us ironclad protections from every potential uh, threat can actually be uh, going against the gospel in a way. I'm talking with Justin Gibney. Um, I encourage you to check out the Church Politics podcast. Um, one of the recent podcast episodes is a conversation about Christendom and the politics um, of of Christians. Um, and and Christian folks like you and me. And so check that out. Uh, Justin and I will return in just a moment. All right, I'm talking with Justin Gibney. You can follow him on Twitter, Justin E. Gibney. You can also uh, find him at the Ann Campaign. Um. Justin, uh, our tendency, our our tendency to villainize or um, cast in the worst possible light people who disagree with us politically, 
and then our failure to recognize not only our common humanity, but often our common faith, um, I think gets at the root of the challenges that we face in terms of of all kinds of conversations that need to cross lines that exist in uh, in terms of social location. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. One of the things we have to realize, Carmen, is that there are people on both sides of the aisle um, in both ideological tribes who benefit from us not having real conversations and from us summarily dismissing one another. Because if we don't have conversations, if we don't build relationships and see where we actually have common ground, then they can keep us divided and they can feed us all this propaganda that just keeps us fighting. Uh, but we have to be smart enough and we have to be faithful enough to seek something better, to say, you know what, we may disagree and it may be something on, on, on very serious matters, but I'm going to at least hear you out and see where you have to come from and see where we can where we can connect. And that shouldn't be, you know, that we shouldn't be stopped from doing that based on partisan differences and, and one or two issues here or there. Christians, as I say over and over again, have a lot of common ground based on the Great Commission, the Great Commandment and so on. And we need to investigate to find ways that we can work together. I'm actually talking with our next guest about habits, bad habits, how we break bad habits, like that we're creatures of habit. If you could identify and call us to break one or two bad habits um, as Christians in, you know, I mean, in political discourse today, but, you know, like kind of all discourse today seems political. So if you could if you could draw us to consider a couple of bad habits, what would those be? One of the biggest bad habits that I would take people out of is assuming because you disagree with someone on something significant that they have nothing else to offer, that they have nothing else to teach you. They don't have a testimony. They don't have, you know, uh, an expertise that could be helpful to you. And again, it's about dismissing one another. That's one of the biggest things that I, I would push back on it. And also just kind of summarily accepting the narrative that we're given. We know we live in a broken world. We know we're among broken people. So whether or not we get a narrative that kind of tickles our ears, we should be willing to critique it. And so I, I would say those are two, two habits that I really would push back against, especially for Christians, because they're simply unfaithful. It's not a matter of your party uh, or anything like that and thinking it's right. Those things are unfaithful per the gospel, and we need to see that and, and push back against it. Um, I'm pushing back against uh, somebody on our text line right now who, you know, rejects the idea that a person could be pro-life and um, and then be a part of uh, a political party that is pro-choice. And I'm pushing back saying that it's overly simplified to distill everything, everything down to one issue. Um, people are concerned about health care. They're concerned about immigration. They're concerned about education. They're concerned um, about genuine, the genuine welfare of, uh, of our neighbors. Um, they're con concerned about racial reconciliation and ethnic conciliation. I mean, people are concerned about a lot of things. They're concerned about foreign affairs. I mean, it is, it, it is over, overly simplistic to be a one-issue voter. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, completely overly simplistic. I mean, if someone is in the Democratic Party or in the Republican Party and the thing you don't like about them, you know, let's take the Democratic Party. Let's take the instance that you're giving me. If somebody is in that party and is constantly saying we need to care about the unborn, we need to care about the sanctity of life. How can you say that they're not 
you know, doing doing the job they need to do. Maybe there are some other issues where they connect more closely, or maybe it's a matter of location and they don't connect it to their identity. And, and here's the thing. If you don't connect your party to your identity, then maybe you're using it as a tool. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in the best position to do the most good. There's a lot of different reasons people may take different positions. We cannot take these ironclad, ideologically pure positions where we, again, just dismiss whole groups of Christians based on their political party. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but my, you know, my political party just doesn't mean that much to me. What means the most to me is promoting human um, uh, flourishing and protecting human dignity. And I'll, I'll try to do that regardless of what party somebody else is in. Oh, well, see, amen. So, see, that's where, um, you know, y- you and I are really well aligned. I am I am not first red or blue. I'm I'm first, you know, Jesus-y. Um, and, you know, Jesus is never running for office. That's not that's not ever what's happening. And neither party is a Christian, expressly Christian party. There are Christians in both parties. And I, you know, I want to encourage Christians to be engaged and in some places and spaces if if you're engaging um in a in an overwhelmingly democrat community um you're going to be more effective politically if you engage with democrats i mean that's who's making the decisions where you live um and so it's an interesting i mean i happen to live in in the one blue congressional district in the entire part of my state i mean everything around me is red, 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 red. Well, if I want to have influence in the particular con- congressional district that I live in, I got to engage robustly with the Democrats who live in my district. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I no, it, 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 it only makes sense. Yeah, it only makes sense. Um, all right, we um, we we have like two minutes left, but I don't think that's enough time to deal with um, the, uh, David French's piece on letting the fear of wokeness close hearts and minds. But can you can you just address um, a conversation about wokeness and that that when white people talk about wokeness, it can sometimes be kind of humorous. Yeah, I mean the definition of wokeness is, is, is really causing a lot of people to stumble depending on who you talk to, you know, that'll, you know, they'll have different definitions for what it is. But let me just say this, there may be people through being woke or whatever, who talk about things in a way that you don't like. But one thing that I would tell some white Christians or more conservative folks is don't let the way certain people talk about justice or racial justice, stop you from doing something about it. I think that's a terrible excuse, and I think it becomes a stumbling block where people say, well, I don't like how they talk about it, so I'm just not going to do anything. That's not biblical. If, if you know something's wrong and needs to be fixed, you need to address it, even if it's a little diff- in different terms. You need to address it, whether the other folks addressing it are right or wrong, right? And, and that's one of the things that we need to get past, not being so worried about if this is woke or if this is not woke. Is it right or wrong? Because all that other stuff just becomes a stumbling block from us doing good work. Appreciate the good work you're doing um, every day. Uh, love you as my brother in Christ and um, and so grateful for your willingness to so patiently um, talk with me and others. Um, so that is Justin Gibney. You can follow him on Twitter. He is a great Twitter follow, Justin E. Gibney. You can also find him at The And Campaign. Justin, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll be right back.
All right. Do we have bad habits? Yes, in fact, indeed we do. Um, but there are good habits and there are bad habits, and we are creatures of habit. We're going to talk with Pastor Stephen Poe about his brand new book, Creatures of Habit, Breaking the Habits, Holding You Back from God's Best. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locano. There is a way the world should be run. And when others behave in ways we don't like, we call that a pet peeve. Not a colossal divide or a legal violation, just a pet peeve. You know, joy is such a precious commodity. Why squander it on a quibble? The phrases we use regarding our pet peeves reveal the person who actually suffers. He gets under my skin or gets on my nerves or she is such a pain in my neck. Whose skin, nerves, and neck? Ours. Who suffers? We do. Every pet peeve writes a check on our joy account. For this reason, the Apostle Paul said, Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The patient person sees all the peculiarities of the world, but rather than react, he bears with them. This is Max Locato, and this is how happiness happens. All right, joining me now, Pastor Stephen Poe. We're going to talk about habits, the good ones, the bad ones, and frankly, how to uh, how to change them. The book is Creatures of Habit, Breaking the Habits, Holding You Back from God's Best. Steve, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate it. All right, so um, you have uh, you have tilled the soil of this con- conversation with your congregation in a sermon series, and I want people to know that they can go to stevepoe.org um, and get all kinds of resources related to this Creatures of Habit conversation. You guys can listen to sermons. You can actually download the notes. Like, There's just tons of great stuff posted there. So stevepoe.org, in addition to the book itself. All right, let's, um, let's talk about habits. Um, there's good ones. There's bad ones. Um, why, you know, why do, why is this a thing that we need to talk about as fellow Christians? That's a great question. I, you know, I had, um, Carmen read a couple secular books on habits for my own life. And in the process began to realize I didn't think anybody was really addressing this in our spiritual journey. And I began to realize just how much of our life is made up of habits And so I started doing some research on it and realized that when you're talking about discipleship, you really are talking about breaking bad habits and creating uh, good ones in your life. So that's kind of what started me down this path or down this research road to uh, to see how much it really played into our our journey. And um, turns out the scripture has a lot to say about it. It turns out that it really does um, make a big impact on our life. So you deal with um, uh, lots of habits. Um, you focus on some that you know are going to be common to a lot of folks. I mean, you know, my uh, it might be anger, lust, worry, cynicism. I want to return to that one. Uh, pride, self-centeredness, greed. Were there things that didn't make the list? Oh my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the I came up with these twelve topics because these are all twelve that I had struggled with. 
So when I decided that I was going to do a sermon series or I was going to put this into a book, um, it was the same thing. I'm thinking, okay, so what are the topics? And so I just started making a list of things that I had struggled with in my life, habits that had uh, really kept me from moving forward spiritually. And so these are the 12 that I came up with, but uh, there were many, many more. And we could we could talk all day about those that aren't listed in the book. Well, I want to I, I want to. Yeah, we could. Let's talk um, about the ones that are included in the book. And let's talk about um, starting with owning the problem, because that's this really this is where the conversation begins. I got to own that I have a problem. Exactly. It's like I think the big problem with most of us today is that it's it's always somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. It's your problem. And so you really can't begin to break a habit if you can't even acknowledge that you struggle with it. Um, And that, again, that's why I make it clear that these are 12 that I've struggled with. And so I'm dealing with them. I'm taking the steps, but I couldn't take the steps until, you know, I admit that I I have a problem. It's it's very similar, obviously, to um, what we've known for years with AA. You know, that's Mm. one of the first steps with them. You've got to own it before you can break the habit. Um, let's talk about asking the right questions, um, because this is the being honest with yourself part of the conversation. Um, all right, I, I could look at my life. I know that I I have something that is habituated, either positively or neg- negatively. You know, mm-hmm. I have the habit of, and then I have to decide, I have to ask a series of questions. I think it's really helpful um, so can you give people that series of questions? The list begins with, has this become a habit in my life? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly oh, what. All right. So is it affecting, or I'll do the list. I'll do it. I have it in my notes because I thought it was really helpful for me. So here we go. Has this become a habit in my life? Is it affecting my relationship with Christ? Is it affecting my relationship with others? Is it affecting my attitude in a negative way? Is it keeping me from becoming the person God wants me to be? And I, mm. I feel like it's one of those, uh, it's one of those like maps where, you know, if, it, if, if I give a yes to that, then I got to, you know, I got to deal with it. If I give a no to it, I can move on to the next question. But has it become a habit in my life is definitely the starting point. And if it has, then I got to own it. And then I ask the question, how is it affecting my relationship with Christ? I think that's hard for people sometimes to evaluate. How is it affecting my relationship with Christ? What are you talking, what are you getting at there? Well, the thing is, is that so many people will say, you know, uh, I've accepted Jesus into my life. I've accepted Christ into my life. And yet I still feel stuck. I still mm-hmm. feel like I, I, I'm i not going going anywhere and I don't understand why. And I think more times than not, the reason is, is because even, you know, when Christ comes into our life, he gives us the power to say no to sin. He breaks that hold in our life. But we still have all these habits that we've built up over the years. And you can't just uh, all of a sudden expect that those habits are going to be gone. You didn't get there overnight. You're not going to get rid of it overnight. So you have to, you have to, I believe that's part of discipleship. You have to actually start taking the steps to break the bad habits and replace them with the good habits. And that takes time. Yeah. And replacing, like I'm reminded of the expulsive power of a new affection, right? Like what you're talking about is, uh, it, it's not like we're not going to have habits. We just want to have right. habits that are um, in the right direction, that are leading us to become more and more the people 
who God wants us to be. I'm talking with Pastor yes. Steve Poe. We're talking about his brand new book, Creatures of Habit, Breaking the Habits, Holding You Back from God's Best. Steve, what would you say um, is, you know, like one of the key things that someone needs to know and do to break a bad habit? Well, uh, again, as we just talked about, owning it is is a big part of it. I think another part of it is uh, having an accountability partner is extremely helpful in whatever habit you're talking about uh, because they're hard. They're oftentimes hard to break, and I think that we do best when we have somebody that cares about us and loves us and uh, is willing to ask us the hard questions. Um, I think that's one of the better ways. Um, obviously it's, all of this is about working on a relationship with God as well. We I'm talking to, again. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go I just ahead. working on our relationship with God has got to be number one, because these habits are the very thing that are keeping us from God's best. As we just said, you know, our brain doesn't know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. And so that's why we have to make the decision, is this helping me to become more Christ-like, or is this actually conflicting with my Christ nature in my life? And once I determine that, then I determine whether I've got to um, build that habit in my life. A habit is basically, uh, Carmen, is, is our spiritual disciplines, and bad habits are actually spiritual strongholds that get a grip on us and keep us from God's best. And so, you know, if we were to use it more as the scripture talks about, we're trying to break spiritual strongholds and create spiritual disciplines. I see. I think that's a really good, uh, just a really good succinct way of, uh, of sort of putting a frame around this, breaking spiritual strongholds and establishing um Spiritual disciplines, like a rhythm of a disciplined life. Um, All right. Uh, Steve Poe and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We're going to specifically hone in on one of these habits, and it's the habit of cynicism. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continue my conversation with Pastor Steve Poe. We're talking about his brand new book, Creatures of Habit, Breaking the Habits, Holding You Back from God's Best. Check out Steve's website, stevepoe.org, for some great resources related to this topic as well. Steve, talk about cynicism. What is it? Um, What's your experience with it? And um, what's the resolution to it? Well, cynicism basically is a it's it's an attitude of scornful or jaded negativity. It's a it's a distrust of someone, a distrust of their integrity or their motives. You start to you start to question anybody and everybody. You know, I even in ministry um, for so long, there have been different stages of my own Christian journey where I found I've become cynical Um you know, for instance, uh, as a pastor in helping people with benevolence, um, there were times that there's so many con artists out there and there were times that I would help somebody and then later find out that um, I had been taken, that they were a con artist. And so it got to be where I found myself getting cynical, um, questioning the motivation of, of even legitimate people, people that really were in need and really were hurting. 
Mm. So cynicism, I think, is something we all uh, can easily slide into. Yeah, it, and it becomes meanness. Like that's I, people who are who claim to be Christians, but who are actually cynics, then become mm-hmm. mean. They just they're just mm-hmm. mean. Yeah, it can easily get to that place. I don't think it starts that way, but I do think it can get to that place um, because it's a heart issue, as actually all of these things are. But uh, cynicism is an attitude of the heart, and um, uh, it's it's ugly, and it, it certainly is not Christ-like. And so it's a habit that needs to be broken in our life. So if you're listening right now and you sort of recognize, you know, if you were to look in the mirror, you know, you, you'd be willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty cynical. Um, part of it may be that I know too much about what's going on in the world. Um, part of it may be, you know, I've had enough life experience. Uh, I've failed enough times. I've, uh, I've been subjected to uh, injustice enough times. I've just become cynical. Maybe you've actually just decided. You, you just Somewhere along the way, you just decided you know, people can't be trusted. God can't be trusted. You've decided to just stop trusting. And in stop, mm-hmm. and, and when you stop trusting, you stop believing, you stop hoping, and you stop actively trying to change the world. Yeah. Carmen, and I love what you're saying there, too, that I, that I think where people misunderstand the whole point of habits is that it doesn't start out a habit. It starts mm-hmm. out a condition of the heart. But when you repeat something enough, it becomes... Um, an unconscious pattern. It becomes second nature. So, so all of a sudden, I, let's say I start out and I begin to be a little bit cynical over something. It's not a big deal. But then the next thing happens tomorrow and I'm, I respond again with cynicism. And before I know it, I'm responding to everything with cynicism and it becomes my identity. It, it becomes who people uh, know me as they know me as a cynical person. All of our habits become our identity, good or bad, uh, good habits as well as bad habits. And that's why this is such a big deal. You know, if, if, if Carmen, if, if um, I got to know you well and then somebody asked me about you, well, could you describe Carmen to me? And let's say that you were a, a very honest person, but at the same time, um, you struggled with cynicism. Well, I'm going to describe you to that person. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, Carmen is a very, very honest person, person of integrity. You can trust her um, with anything you have. But she is a bit cynical. So the point is, is that anytime anybody describes us, they're going to describe us by our habits. That's why we can't ignore these in our life. So they don't start out that way. They start out as a heart issue, but they end up as a habit or a pattern. So if you were going to describe me, my guess is that um, you would use the other, uh, you would use the compliment or the reverse, um, the ancillary to, to cynicism, which is curiosity. I think people would describe me as voraciously curious. I, I am, mm-hmm. uh, I am vora- I just, there's just really nothing and no one. Uh, about whom I'm not interested to know more. And and that starts with a, a fascination with and a curiosity about God. Like, right, this is, I am never, I am never going to know all there is to know about this mm. one who created me and loves yeah. me and yeah, just yeah. thought that redemption was a good idea. Um, and so, and with whom I'm going to spend eternity. So, you know, uh, the curiosity, talk about curiosity as the, 
the way if I am stuck in a, a habit of cynicism, just how powerful cultivating a spirit of curiosity is. Well, just uh, I love what you just shared. Actually, that was wonderful. Is that it? It gives you it's the hunger. Uh, leaders are learners, and so it gives you the hunger to know more. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.10 said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And, and so where cynicism gets your um, focus off of God, curiosity, it can be the very thing that gets your focus back onto God, which is really one of the best ways to break any habit. Because these habits are a problem because they've gotten our focus away from God onto whatever the issue is. And so the counter that, we need to break the bad habit and create a good habit. We've got to um, we've got to be curious. We've got to be hungry. We've got to want more of, of Christ as Paul did. So pastors are um, pastors who are authors are already on to uh, a sermon series that often does not include the book we're now looking at. And so um, as I am always asking those who are listening, where in the word are you today? I'm curious, um, mm-hmm. Steve Poe, where in the word are you today? As far as what I'm studying? Yeah, just you as a believer, you know, a believer and a, a brother in Christ. Like, where are you in God's word today? Well, I'm constantly, uh, I'm a, I love Paul, and, and so I'm mm. constantly Philippians and uh, is one of my favorite books because I love the heart of Paul that, as you just shared, wants to know more of Jesus and wants to grow and become all that he wants them to become. And so um, that's certainly mm-hmm. my um, primary focus. I love that. All right. You guys can find Pastor Steve Poe at his website, stevepoe.org. The book is Creatures of Habit, Breaking the Habits, Holding You Back from God's Best. Today is book launch day, so we want to pray for you. Thank you. Can we do that? Yes, I'd appreciate it. Father, (laughs) thank you so much for Steve. Thank you for planting within him the desire to know you and make you known. Thank you um, for his ministry, and thank you for the opportunity you set before him today to share uh, this work of his heart with others. Um, bless him, Father, as he talks with so many people today and in the days to come about um, about this work, cre- Creatures of Habit, helping us to really cultivate spiritual disciplines and break through spiritual strongholds. So thank you for Steve today. Bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate that. Thank you. We'll be right back. Um, All right. Really good question here from a listener. Um, What's the difference between discernment and cynicism? Um, My short answer to that question is focus. Um, Might also be perspective. So what are you bringing into focus? What are you focusing on? Um, and then what's the perspective? Like, which direction are the binoculars uh, faced? Uh, and so discernment focuses on God, focuses on the redemptive gospel, focuses on uh, the narrative of the good news as the arc over all of human history. Uh, discernment focuses on the hope of the kingdom of heaven, uh, focuses on the hope set before us. Cynicism 
has those binoculars turned in the other direction. Cynicism focuses on, you know, the thrashing of the enemy in the world in which we live. Cynicism focuses on the devastating consequences of sin that we see all around us all the time. And and it's not to say that discernment doesn't recognize um, all of those devastating consequences, but discernment knows what they are and calls them out for it um, and sets the hope on uh, on the gospel. Cynicism just wanders down into the pit of depravity um, and, and the mess of life with, with no hope uh, and embraces hopelessness. So let us be people of discernment today. Let us be people who cultivate a habit of curiosity and grace. And yes, let us be people who are willing to eat with sinners. Um, not that we're going to become of the world, but we have to be in it in order for the gospel to advance always and in all ways. I love you. Bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.